0: The White House shines light on how the government will divulge or keep-secret laws in software and encoding passwords in the cuff of your sleeve. These stories coming up in the ISMG Security Report. (music) Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. In an effort to be more transparent, the White House this week published a set of rules updating the Vulnerabilities Equities Process, or VEP, to determine when the government should divulge cybersecurity flaws it has discovered in IT systems or whether to keep them secret. VEP's aim is to balance intelligence agencies and law enforcement's desire to use software vulnerabilities as cyber weapons to breach the IT systems of America's adversaries against the need to alert software makers of the flaws in their products so they can be patched before hackers exploit those vulnerabilities.
1: It's a major step in the right direction.
0: That's Ari Schwartz of the Venable Law Firm, who served as a senior cybersecurity policy advisor in the Obama White House.
1: We need to see how it actually is implemented, I think, is really the key to answering whether it gets the balance uh, 100% correct there isn't a lot to go on. I mean, there's not a lot of history here that, that they're building off of. We need to be able to learn and make changes quickly. I think that this charter allows the ability to review, and I think that's important as we, in this space.
0: The VEP charter establishes an equities review board that will meet monthly, more often if the need arises, to decide what vulnerabilities to be kept secret and which ones to be shared with vendors. Review Board members come from the White House Office of Management and Budget, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the National Security Agency, the Central Intelligence Agency, and the Departments of Commerce, Defense, Energy, Homeland Security, Justice, State, and Treasury. The president of the Cyber Threat Alliance, Michael Daniel, served as special assistant to the president and the White House cybersecurity coordinator for the last four and a half years of the Obama administration. Daniel characterizes the process of determining which software flaws to keep as being robust.
2: It may well be the case that in certain situations, reasonable people would reach a different conclusion based on the same evidence, right? You could have reasonable people disagree. But I think on balance, it gets the core elements right. It gets the core players right. It gets the equities right that are at play. Fundamentally, it's the kind of process that we need to have in place.
0: Daniel's successor as special assistant to the president and cybersecurity coordinator is Rob Joyce. And he says meetings of VEP members can be contentious. Joyce spoke earlier this week about the new VEP charter at the Aspen Institute.
1: Because of this tension, both sides need to come away from that table a little bit unhappy. And I can tell you, running those, chairing those meetings, that's the case, right? We have given up some really exquisite capabilities in the name of making sure our systems are secure. And we've also withheld some capabilities that, at the time, are justified but needed for the national security process.
0: As cybersecurity coordinator, Joyce serves as the VEP director. And at the Aspen Institute... He estimated that 90% of the software vulnerabilities discovered are disclosed. And Joyce explains a vulnerability that is kept secret.
1: It's not a lifetime waiver. Every retained vulnerability is re-reviewed every six months at a minimum to be sure the conditions are still the same or similar to when we made that decision. And that's really important, right? There's rumors of this vast stockpile. I read articles, so the reporters in the room, please help me. Hordes and stockpiles should not be words that are in your articles. Um, <laughs> factually inaccurate. The concept is we need to push these out, we review them, and in some cases, we We've shortened the review period to less than six months as a, as a group saying, we're really divided on this. Let us try it for a couple months in operations and find out the value versus the risk and come back and re-talk about it in a month or three months. And we've, we've done that in the past.
0: The new charter requires the administration to publish annually an unclassified report as well as a classified one tailored for Congress that details the number of vulnerabilities that are discovered and disclosed. We'll be back after this brief message with a report on how fabric can be used to authenticate a user.
2: You can just swipe this piece of fabric across any smartphone and your smartphone can immediately decode the data that's on the fabric.
0: You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
2: ISMG's 2018 global events will take place in over 100 cities across four continents. Don't miss the opportunity to meet with over 5,000 senior information security professionals and leading technology vendors from around the world to discuss the most pressing cybersecurity issues we face today. Visit events.ismg.io today.
0: We're back. Imagine this. You want to access your secured mobile device or your software application, but instead of punching in a passcode, you merely swipe the cuff of your shirt along the smartphone and voila, you're in. Researchers at the University of Washington say such technology exists. Associate Professor Shyam Galakota and PhD candidate and former Microsoft software engineer Justin Chan presented a paper last month at an Association for Computing Machinery Symposium that details how data can be stored using smart fabric without any electrical source to power it. The researchers created what they contend is the first smart fabric design that harnesses the ferromagnetic properties of conductive thread. Think of the magnetized fabric as a hard disk. To read the data stored on the fabric, you need a magnetometer. Nearly all mobile devices contain a magnetometer to run their GPS applications. By using a magnet against the fabric, the researchers physically align the poles to either a positive or negative direction. Those poles can correspond to the zeros and ones in digital data. Manipulating the poles or zeros and ones, the fabric can be programmed to contain a password. Here's researcher Justin Chan.
2: You can divide a piece of fabric into sections, and you can polarize it with either north pole or south pole, and you can basically embed zeros or ones. And then you can just swipe this piece of fabric across any smartphone, and your smartphone can immediately decode the data that's on the fabric.
0: The researchers didn't test the fabric as a smartphone or computer authenticator, but they don't see why it couldn't work. They did store a passcode to an electronic door lock on a patch of conductive fabric sewn to a shirt cuff. They unlocked the door by waving the cuff in front of an array of magnetometers connected to the lock. One problem with using smart fabric to store passwords, or for that matter, any data, is that the digital information could easily be erased if the fabric comes too close to a magnet. Though the researchers aren't touting smart fabrics as a computer authentication instrument, Chan sees possibilities of using clothing tailored with conductive thread as a possible device to authenticate users.
2: Traditional information security, I assume, deals with uh, passcodes that you remember all the time, but this is kind of about taking passcodes outside of people's brains. And how do we think about storing passcodes in everyday objects, like in clothing or in other sort of devices. How can we securely store data in a way that's unobtrusive and easy to read and easy to write? That's just like another approach that we should think about security. For now, we
0: don't know whether advances in smart fabric technologies will eventually lead to widely employed authentication tools. Even if it doesn't, what the University of Washington researchers have shown that out of the box thinking is critical as we try to find the best ways to authenticate computer users. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.